show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnuminium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, Cody just does it. Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show. Live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics and built by the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot. But you got to live in the Carolinas. You got to live in Georgia or you have to live in Tennessee. And that's where the Gamecock football program will be living coming up on Saturday night, at least for a little while as they take on the Vols at Neyland. More on that here in just a little while. We, of course, are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. The bourbon is the finest I've had. At least it's the it is the tastiest and for the price overall best. If you haven't tried it, maybe you need to just pull up our app the chief sports app if you don't have that i'm not sure where you've been for the last two months but we'll get you straightened out here before long but if you pull it up you just click on the chicken cock challenge and there's a link right there and you can find it wherever you are in america so we appreciate those guys for what they do that obviously is not jc sherbert that's mike morgan they don't look alike you probably well, big to differ there jb yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about but it was a rough night but it was a good game for the gamecocks that's right and the next time that mike speaks it'll be in his best coach o voice uh to uh fall in Ooh. line with uh, jc well, big shoes to fill JC is uh, out today. Phil, myself, and Mike will get you through the next couple of hours, and Hale McGranahan will pop in here in just a moment as well, and we'll get his thoughts on the ball game this past weekend. Uh, last night in the VIP room on the bigspur.com, Hale did post some major updates for potential flips from the recruiting front. Um, so we'll let you fill him, he'll let him fill you in on a lot of that as well. We'll take a drive around the SEC uh, a little bit later on this afternoon with. Mr. Morgan as well. There were uh, some, uh, some lots of, there's always lots of stuff that's happening in the college football world and in the SEC world, but it's beginning to, I think, take shape a little bit. Last Tuesday, a week ago today, Mike, you mentioned that you thought LSU might potentially be the best team in the league over Georgia. Curious to see whether you still think that after right. uh, what we saw this weekend. 
Um, but again, it'll all kind of get itself sorted out. So Mike, glad to have you today, man. Yeah. Good to be in. Uh, I, I know we've got some, some plans uh, coming down the, the, the pipe here in the near future that might actually make this transition a little easier, but yeah, going the full two hours today. Uh, I think I'm prepared for it. I used to do three every day. I think I can do two with the help of you two distinguished gentlemen. And um, <clears throat> yes, I, we've got um, a lot of interesting things to cover and, and JC and I hit it on JC and Morgan yesterday. And I know we're going to do a, a drive around the SEC today as well. But to your point, I think we're starting to separate a little bit. Okay, we're we're there's at least one or two meaningful games within the league the last couple of weeks that give us an idea of who are the pretenders, who are the contenders, uh, who's got a lot of work to do, and who can still be maybe not a, a contender to win the league, but still a very competent tier two SEC team. Uh, that can have a great season and, and win a lot of games. And, and that's certainly where Carolina is positioned. Uh, I think we'll learn a lot about the Gamecocks and the Vols, obviously, on Saturday. I think we'll learn a lot about Florida, Kentucky, two teams that I don't have a great feel for yet, but we'll have a greater feel for it at about 3.30 Eastern when they wrap things up at Kroger Field in Lexington. I think we we've learned – uh, some things about the teams that are going to struggle this year. Obviously, Vanderbilt leads the way there. Mississippi State, uh, while it did give a great showing against Carolina, I think they're going to have some problems the the, the rest of the way. Uh, you mentioned LSU. Yeah, I certainly wasn't validated by their performance. Now, they won the game, and kudos to Sam Pittman and Arkansas. Arkansas is another team, by the way, that I would put in that category that's going to have some issues. They can't block anybody, which is ironic because their head coach is an offensive line guy. Uh, it's not because he forgot how to coach O-line. They just don't have the Jimmys and the Joes. Right. Uh, but LSU did not give me the performance that I thought. I still think on paper if that defense comes to play and Jaden Daniels continues to put a Heisman Trophy-type season together, that they can beat anybody in this league. And if they get to Atlanta, that includes Georgia. Um, and, and finally, uh, in the, for those that thought, and, you know, we had our Salsaritas Fab Five Challenge Thursday, as we do every Thursday on this show, Jamie, you posed that question, right? Alabama Ole Miss. And it was a good, like you had me convinced. I mean, I had my, my pencil eraser ready to change my pick from Alabama to cover the seven to Ole Miss. And then I said, no, I've. I've been down this road too many times before where people are like, yeah, Alabama's down, Nick Saban's down, and then they smash somebody in the mouth, and that's kind of what they did to Ole Miss. So I'm not saying Alabama doesn't have issues. they got a lot of issues. They can't block, okay? They're not, they don't have great quarterback play, but they still play defense, and they still know a thing or two about winning big games. So I, I, I thought that. And the other thing is, and you might have posed this question, Jamie, I think you did last week, what are the signature wins? And I'm a Lane Kiffin. Like, I'm glad Lane Kiffin is in this league. I like Lane Kiffin. I think Lane Kiffin's perfect for Ole Miss. But what are the signature wins that he has as a head coach in Oxford? I know he had a nice win at Southern Cal against, I think it was Oregon years ago. But but Ole Miss is like the ultimate tease, right? They, they're flashy and they're fun and they've got a coach that has a lot of flair and they've always seemed to have some really nice toys on offense. And you're like, man, oh, man, they might be the program that makes it to that next level. And then they don't. 
And then and they had their opportunity and they didn't. And so the more things change, the more sometimes they still stay, stay the same. Yeah, that's a really good question. They have had some nice wins, but not necessarily against brand-name programs. Mike, we'll get more into that here in just a little while as well uh, because I, I want to continue that conversation. I made some comments about Ole Miss last week too, but we got to get Hale in because uh, we're, uh, we, we, we've let the clock tick on him a little bit on his 11.05, and Hale gets really upset when you tell him a certain time. <laughs> Sorry, Hale, that's my bad. You, uh, I didn't know it, Hale no, was no. A- no, you're good. He was a ten, a five after the hour start time. That's an early kick he, for Hale McGranahan. Yeah, he it is. He's got uh, he's got to go cover players and coaches, and yeah, he's got a day job to to get to here in just a little while. And I'm looking in his liquor cabinet over his right shoulder to see what he'll be doing when he's done with all that. But Hale, glad to have you. Um, we'll get into the game from the weekend, but I know people are curious to hear some quick updates on the recruiting trail. A lot of it's in the VIP room. You need to be a big Spurs subscriber to, to read all of that. But if you could maybe just brush across it for us a little bit, uh, you've mentioned some, some candidates maybe down the road to uh, flip to South Carolina. Yeah. The, the big name uh, at this point, I guess would be Jalua Solomon, the the quarterback who's from uh, Schley County, Georgia, who, who committed to Auburn over the summer when, when it looked like South Carolina was going to get them and, and, we said from that day forward, Carolina was going to keep pushing and, and trying to get get him to to come back for a visit and, and ultimately try to try to flip him. And and here we are. The Carolinas continue to recruit him, and they're trying to flip him, trying to get him back on campus here in a few weeks. And it seems like things are, are going in, in a pretty good direction. So we'll we'll see how it continues to play out as we get into the month of October. But uh, sitting here at the end of September, it's it's in a pretty decent, decent little spot, I would say. So uh, th- there are some other guys as well. I won't get into too much detail beyond him because uh, there, there are still some things that need to play out. I mean, there, there are some guys that are in on that they haven't offered yet. So things could change that way too, and, and we'll continue to, to monitor real closely on the big spur. And Solomon and is planning to visit? I don't know that it's set in stone quite yet, but it, it's looking like Maybe. there's going to – be a weekend that he comes down for for an unofficial he, he took his official of course in june so he, he can't do that again but uh yeah there there are a lot of home games coming up uh october and and obviously november as well go ahead mike yeah, sure. sorry about that no you're good uh hill i was gonna say i mean uh we see you know some of the positive stuff coming out of you know these guys on unofficials you know from inside the stadium um, what has a greater impact on a recruit when considering a program between just these two things, that game day experience and actually seeing freshmen playing significant minutes on the field? Yeah, those are probably the two most important things uh, when it comes to just like a specific game day visit. Obviously, you got to talk to the coaches and, and feel some some love too, but yeah, if, if you got a, a rocking environment and you're seeing a bunch of guys who are, who are sitting in your seat uh, a year ago as, as high school recruits, uh, guys take notice of that, and it's certainly a big deal for for everybody. And uh, yeah, that that uh, that's a that's a real good real good selling point for for this staff, and a, re- a real easy one that that uh, guys are really receptive to. 
All right, Hale, getting back to the game this past weekend. Gamecocks get their first win of the season in the Southeastern Conference. We'll find out this week and moving forward um, what type of Mississippi State team they beat. They certainly have some issues. Of course, also might have maybe answered some questions of their own, like you know, that Will Rogers guy is pretty good at throwing the football, and they haven't really let him throw the football uh, until this weekend. But um, uh, we'll, we'll broad stroke this first question here. Your overall – thoughts and makeup of that victory heading into Knoxville? Well, I'll start by saying this. If I am a Mississippi State fan, I'm kind of wondering if, if we can just do that moving forward, have Will Rogers throw it that many times. Nothing against the running game or Jaquavius Marks or Simeon Price, whoever else is going to run the ball. But the dude's thrown for like 10,000 yards in his college career. I, I think I'd just take my chances with, with him trying to do that again. And uh, but for Carolina, I, I think it was good that they were able to stop the run. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get too, um, I guess, feeling that too much and putting too much value into that because it was pretty clear Mississippi State uh, was ready to abandon the run and, and take advantage of, of some matchups that they could they could get to in the secondary. And uh, I think moving forward, if you're Carolina, you, you got to figure out a way to to just get better in the, in, in the back end, it's it's as simple as that. I mean, whether it's leaving DQ Smith in an unfavorable matchup, uh, like that first play of the game, he, he's covering two Lou Griffin one-on-one, and he has trouble flipping his hips, and Griffin gets a big game. Uh, you know, a few plays later, they, they get the big touchdown for 65 yards, and I think he was expecting some help over the middle, and uh, that's just a simple type of thing. Like, those are two very minor details that, that show up real big in, in the box score. Uh, and you got to f- figure out how to, to minimize those. And uh, if, if you try to look ahead to, to this game this weekend, uh, if you're giving up 40, 50, 60 yard passes to Tennessee and Knoxville, it's, it's going to get ugly, which we all know. But uh, as far as the Mississippi State game, you know, it's it's good that, that Mario Anderson finally got his, his touches like we've been talking about the last couple of weeks and thinking that needed to happen. Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett are still incredible. Nothing new there. Uh, and the offensive line continues to, to get a little bit better. And I thought maybe the most interesting thing, kind of wrapping up here, JB, is the most interesting thing to me is hearing Beamer in the postgame talking about trying to uh, to protect Rattler and minimizing the number of dropbacks and how many times he's going to get hit. Uh, and, and, you know, I guess giving that offensive line a chance to, to you know, play pretty well. I, I, I think that was important and and probably going to be something that uh, we're going to have to keep in mind moving forward instead of just expecting Spencer Rattler to drop back 45, 50 times and, and throw the ball all game. Well, I, look, as well as he's throwing the football, and it's as good as anybody in the country, he can't. They, that, they can't win like that. And that's been proven uh, time and time again. 40 and 50 pass attempts a game don't get it done. What has also been proven, though, Hale, is when you run for 100 yards under Shane Beamer, you win. They're 14-1 and one under Beamer when they run for 100 yards or more. And, you know, if you go – I'm glad we've got Mike in here for two hours today because Mike has a – always has kind of an aerial view of the entire league and he sees uh, all, uh, all of these games from a, um, a, a, a not a personal view, you know. Like, um, I'm, just, I'm just an outsider looking in. And the reason that I'm saying that is because I truly feel like you can go back to week one against North Carolina, and then now that you're through week four against Mississippi State, and you you have seen the growth in two areas that 
I I think we all agreed that South Carolina needed to grow very quickly on the offensive line and on the defensive line. They held the best rushing team in the league, regardless of how good we think they are, to 32 yards. And then Mario Anderson gets in there and has a very NFL-like performance with 26 carries and 88 yards. And overall, that offensive line, I think they feel like they've got Hale probably three or four of the starting five that they want. So, you know, now that they're a third of the way through the season, those were two big questions that needed to be answered. They've got back-to-back defensive line players of the week in the league. I'm not saying they're there. They haven't arrived, but they certainly have improved, right? Yeah, that's that's a key moving forward is if the defensive line can keep putting up results like they have the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, they had four sacks against Mississippi State, and since 2016, if South Carolina has four more sacks against an SEC opponent, they're 6-2 and two in those games. So you know, it, it's pretty pretty simple to look at, hey, just get after the quarterback and, and run the ball, and and you can give yourself a really good chance to win a game. But that, like, that's that's a pretty common thing in football, especially if you're playing on the road. Um, you know, stop the run and, and and run the ball, and and if you're stopping the run, like we heard from the players on Saturday night, uh, you're going to have to force the other team to pass. The other team is going to be throwing the ball, and, and that's going to give you a chance to to get those sacks and and make those plays uh, and and get SEC Player of the Week honors like. Alex Huntley and TJ Sanders have the last couple of weeks. So that's, that's big. I, I, you know, three weeks ago, if, if we're saying that South Carolina was getting ready to have a couple of uh, defensive players, defensive linemen of the week, in these first two SEC games, I, I, I don't know that anybody would have, would have believed that just given how, how that North Carolina game started. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. I'm looking here. Who are the, uh, I, don't, I must've missed an email somewhere from Steve Fink. Who are the players today? They're going to meet with the media. I don't think they've released the names yet. Oh, they uh, have. I, I, request, okay. I requested like Nick Arjulo, JT Gear. Uh, who else? Uh, two other guys. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they're usually pretty good about uh, about bringing the guys in who, who are requested. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't okay. think they've put the names. Yeah. Well, I mean the re- the reason I was asking is that you know I, 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 I'm assuming somebody has also asked Mario Anderson to step back in there this week and, and speak with the media. But, I mean, you know, his his story really is unique. And there, and there are a few stories like this on this football team that we've kind of learned. These blue-collar uh, kids who, I mean, he, he cuts hair to help pay for his siblings to go to school and things like that, you know, when his free time, Hale. I mean, this is – this is a young man who's done nothing but put in more work and more work and more work, and he's earned more playing time. We'll hear from Dowell tomorrow. You kind of felt like part of the reason that Mario wasn't playing a lot was maybe because of what he was doing without the football and less than what he was doing with the football in his hands. But I'm really interested to learn more about that story because they didn't just get him in the game for 10 carries up from you know a few. He carried it 26 times in the football game like – that came out of nowhere. He didn't get a carry in game one. He got two in game two, and two games later, 26 carries. That's a that's a big jump pretty quickly. Yeah, it's a crazy game to me that way when you look at how different things went from Mississippi State offensively, how different that all that was that you just said for, for South Carolina. I mean, Mario Anderson had almost as many carries as on Joyner had in the first three games of the season. He had 28 in the first three games. That's That's crazy. Especially a week before, they they didn't even really try to get into the run game. So, 
Yeah, I, I like Mario Mario's story. Obviously, we all know he, he went to Newberry and was really good there and lightly recruited out of high school. I didn't know that about him uh, cutting cutting hair on the side, trying to, to make a little extra money. That's that's really cool. And that's uh, another reason to pull for a guy, an underdog type of story who's an in-state guy, and everybody always loves those guys. So uh, that's that's pretty neat. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they'll bring him in today or not. There's typically been a policy that if, if a guy speaks like after a game, they may not bring him in the, during the week. But I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if if, uh, if he was requested that that Steve Steve Fink would make an exception to that loose rule because he certainly deserves it. And uh, he, he needs to continue to get to get a bunch of carries. And, and I think maybe – you look at the 26 that he had against Mississippi State, some of that might have just been circumstances of the game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they started two drives inside their own two-yard line, and most folks are going to run the ball a good bit in those situations, just trying to give yourself some room to to get away from your end zone, and, and hopefully you can get a first down or two. Uh, then they had a, a bunch of possessions in the red zone as well. So um, maybe those numbers are a little higher than, than uh, the staff – intended for uh, going into the week and plan, plan to do. But uh, yeah, if, if you can keep feeding him and he can keep getting loose, I think eventually we're going to see him pop one and, and go for a big game and really make that stat sheet sparkle. Cause you know, you look at the yards per carry average, it wasn't, wasn't that great. I think the longest carry by a running back the other night was, was nine yards by, by Anderson. So uh, you know, you put up a 20 or a 25 and, and that makes things look a whole lot nicer. In, in a hurry. Yeah, but you know how many yards for loss he had with 26 carries? I believe it was zero. Is that correct? Zero. Yeah. Zero. So, and that's what Shane was talking about on Sunday or on um, Saturday, Saturday night after the game, about the fact that, you know, this team needed to get, and I know we got to get you out here in a couple of minutes, man, but this team needed to get, they needed to get ahead of the sticks. Hey, second and seven isn't where you want to be. Neither is second and eight. I get it. You want to be second and five, second and four, whatever that may be. <laughs> but you 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 will take second and eight instead of second and eleven, right? Or set a, yeah. instead of second and twelve. And oh. you know that 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 little difference there when you have a guy named Spencer Rattler, and as much as they've been using a lot of these pop screens and things like that out there to the wide receivers, kind of that extension of the run game as they keep talking. It's become a very popular phrase in football, by the way. Um, you know, those things matter when you're not second and 11 and then third and seven. When you're second and eight and then maybe third and five, it, it, it certainly has mattered. So, all right, anyways, Mario, you mentioned Newberry, um, played at Stratford for the great Danny McDaniel. What an amazing guy. And now here uh, at, at Carolina, he's been to Athens. There's going to be more, though, in Knoxville, and it's going to be a pretty drunk and rabid group uh, coming up on Saturday night because they're all still um, they're all still pissed off about getting knocked out of the playoff last year. They have uh, gone into dark mode, black jerseys, orange lettering, whatever. Carolina's been up there for black jerseys before. Kiffin pulled that trick at halftime in 09. It was a rainy, cold night and on Halloween, and I never wanted to go through that again. Um, so I don't know what the game plan is. None of us do. But this matchup, based on what you've seen out of Tennessee thus far, Hale, and now what you've seen on the from the improvement of, of the Gamecocks, they are 12.5-point dogs. So early thoughts on it with still a few days to go. 
Got to figure out a way to stop the run again. That's going to be key. Tennessee's been really good that way since Josh Heupel has been there. You know, obviously the, the passing game has gotten a lot of the attention from a national standpoint, but I think all of us are, are pretty well aware of, <clears throat> excuse me, of what Tennessee can do on the ground. And you look at their stats and see what they've done already. And granted, they've had some pretty soft opponents so far, but uh, it, it's going to be a key to the game. Again, like I said earlier, if you can stop the run, uh, you can give yourself a chance to get to the passer. And uh, I can't imagine that uh, we're going to see as good a performance as Will Rogers had the other night uh, this Saturday from Joe Milton in, in Knoxville. I just, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have imagined that going into the game last week. But still, I, Will Rogers is a way better quarterback. And I, I think Tennessee's probably a better on the ground as well compared to Mississippi State. But anyway, I, Got to stop the run, and if you can continue to, to, to move the ball on the ground like you can, uh, whether it's Mario Anderson or Spencer Rattler scrambling around and making plays with his legs or to carry on Joyner, whoever else, uh, Xavier Leggett, like, I, I think they're probably going to find some ways to get him involved at some point sooner rather than later in the run game. Uh, so I think it, it really just starts on the ground, both sides of the ball, and and uh, things kind of can kind of take a, a life of their own from there if, if, if it's going well for you. So, uh, I, like I said, since after this game last year, as long as Spencer Rattler's on that field, he's, he's going to give South Carolina a chance to win. And, and uh, we, we know that the uh, 63 points he, he helped that offense put up last year uh, was, was, you know, as impressive as it's, as it's been at South Carolina by a quarterback. And it's, done nothing to, you know, that, that hadn't slowed down really since then. So, uh, but it, it does start on the ground, both sides of the ball for me uh, when, when I'm looking at this game. Yeah. Hell to that, to that point, uh, I think a lot of people will be surprised to know that Tennessee's number one in rushing number one in yards per carry 6.2. Uh, everybody associates that Josh Heupel offense with throw, throw, throw. But if you really break it down, uh, they've beaten a lot of people on the ground, and it, it, the pass sets up the run, but they don't have nearly the passing gain that they did last year, which is why Florida was able to take them out. I just had one quick one because I know you've got to run here soon, and, and that was about the Gamecock offensive line. Has it been stabilized now where it's not a continual revolving door at a couple of positions where you're still trying to figure out who your best five are? Do you feel like they have figured out who their top five are and might be able to stay with that barring injuries? Yeah, well, getting True Babalata there at left tackle and playing like he has, I, I think that's been huge. I, to me, he's probably the third most valuable player on on the offensive side of the ball behind Rattler and Leggett. And, and you know, they still got to get things ironed out for good at right tackle. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise to see Tyshawn Wanamaker out there the other night, and I think yep. he gave up a sack, but he played pretty well as far as I could tell. And if you can find something there, if he can be the guy that he's been in the past and, you know, the last couple of years, and you've probably got an answer there. And I think we're all in agreement that Gargiulo and, and Vershawn Lee uh, are holding down their spots at left guard and center. And Trevon Bach continues to, to come on. And, uh, you know, they, they found some answers. I, I, to answer your question, Mike, I, I, I think they've definitely got some answers. Obviously left tackle with tree and, um, you know, maybe a little more to be determined at right tackle. And, and I think everybody agrees that Trevon Ball has looked really good at right guard as well. So that's uh, that's something to feel good about. And, and 
you know, we, I, I, I was here a few weeks ago talking about how I thought this offensive line would get better. Like it couldn't have gotten any worse than it was against North Carolina, uh, conceivably, but uh, it's, it's certainly gotten better. And I think we, we've seen that progression over the last few games and uh, they'll need to, to keep doing that again this week in, in Knoxville because Tennessee's also got a pretty good pass rush. They've got a lot of guys who, who play that, those edge positions that, that South Carolina really wanted and uh, they can get after the quarterback pretty well too. That's a great point. They've uh, sacked the opposing quarterback 16 times this year. They've only given up five. And to uh, Mike's point, uh, that running game has run for almost 1,000 yards uh, in the first four weeks of the, the season. It's been pretty balanced. We will certainly talk about a lot of that throughout the week. Hale, go get him, my man. Give him hell out there today. You tell, tell Shane we appreciate all his hard work and look forward to seeing him on TV in a little while. All right, fellas. Appreciate you guys. There you go. Hale McGranahan from TheBigSpur.com, one of the best of the best of the best uh, covering the Gamecocks. We do need to step aside. It's 1129 here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. But when we return, I've got a very important question, Mad Dog, for Master Mike here. Not the dancer. We just call him Master Mike. Not like the movie. Or Was that Master Mike? What movie? The the one yeah. with uh, Channing Tatum where he was dancing around. The- oh, Magic Mike. Magic, Magic Mike. Magic Mike. Oh, maybe we should call you Magic Mike. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Master Mike. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's like it's a movie Mike. Uh, from the eighties or something. <laughs> yeah, we'll just go with Magic Mike. Magic Mike Magic and Mad Mike. Dog. I mean, I can have, draw worse comparisons than you know Channing Tatum in his prime. <laughs> that's a uh, that right there sounds like a uh, highly regarded Sirius XM morning show. Magic Mike and Mad Dog. Magic Mike and the Mad Dog. <laughs> 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 you can already hear Tatum and Chris Russo coming after us now in the court. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Man, that's all right. Well, um, yeah, I'm surprised you haven't been summoned yet, Phil. I think uh, that's why I I keep you know just I'm not necessarily distancing myself from it, but I'm not yeah. diving in completely. <laughs> you don't have Mad Dog merch on the horizon because yeah, that would no, definitely no. draw well, cease and know. desist. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm half a gummy and a and and you know ten thousand dollar loss away from yeah, <laughs> being drugged. Right. Smart move. Oh, well, my man Kevin here must have read my mind because my question for Magic Mike is: When we return, is South Carolina the best team that Tennessee has played this season? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll see what his uh, response is to that. The text line is open, 803-766-6320, 803-766-6320. If you'd like to send a message our way, and Magic Mike, Mad Dog, or myself can try to figure out how to answer it. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. We'll be right back. Down here in the south, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the south. Welcome home 
That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Hey, everybody. This is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to letmepaintsomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. Letmepaintsomething.com. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. It's 11.35 here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama studio. Sinorama, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. I was sitting here trying to get caught up on uh, what Josh Heupel had to say about South Carolina. Saying all the right things, I think we all know that this probably means a little bit more this time around. If it didn't, they wouldn't be wearing black uniforms, which is not any single color of Tennessee. But that's what they're going to do on Saturday night, so so be it. Um, Xavier Leggett, by the way, yesterday, as announced by, I think, was it Pro Football Focused, the fastest player in football thus far this fall. Not not college football, 
all of it, including the NFL, 22.3 miles per hour clock this weekend. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to bet against Tyreek Hill in a in a sprint against anybody on the planet, but yes, Leggett's a freak. And the the comp that I came up with watching the game on Saturday, and I I, I first started talking about this yesterday on JC and Morgan. Uh, to me, and nobody has said this yet, but I promise you, you'll start hearing it maybe in November. Uh, DK Metcalf, he is built like DK Metcalf. Metcalf was a physical freak. Now, Metcalf had a lot of injuries at Ole Miss, uh, and it took him a while to really emerge into a good wide receiver, not just a really good athlete. And I think you could say that some of that uh, is analogous to Leggett. But when I watch Leggett play, and I look at his body type, and I see the explosiveness on the field, which he should not have as a regular human being at that size, that's DK Metcalf-like to me. I've heard some of that. You've seen some of that from um, a lot of fans mention DK Metcalf. He's got a lot of different traits in him. Um, he's There are some things about him that remind me a little bit of Alshon. Uh, that's an easy reminder because Alshon also played at South Alshon Carolina. wasn't that explosive. No, no, I love Alshon, no. but he wasn't that explosive. No, he wasn't. Alshon just had hands that were that big. And, that's right. Uh, he, but where, where he is, the things that remind me of him – or how he has learned to use his body to be able to go up and high point the football. That Alshon mm-hmm. was the best at that. Um, yeah, there was no such thing but, as a fifty-fifty ball with Alshon. It was eighty-twenty no. with Alshon. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, if it was, if his catch radius was ridiculous, and he had like he was never that fast, but he was always fast enough. And when you threw it to him one on one, you just always thought that he was going to reel it in. That was a that was such a unique quality. I loved everything about Alshon's game. Loved the way he played it. Uh, he was the antithesis of the kind of showy wideout. He's very biz- business like, very lunch pail like. Uh, yeah. Continued that in the NFL, um, but man, he was so valuable, so so valuable to those great Gamecock teams during that run. But yeah, I think Metcalf is he's different. I mean, he has. Like Troy Williamson, remember him, type speed, but obviously much more physical than Troy. And Troy only ran like three routes during his time in Lou Holtz's offense. Um, Leggett is, no, he's a different dude. Yeah, I mean, he he ran the go route. We know he could run the nine, uh, a square in, and a slant. I don't know if Troy Williamson ever did anything else in that offense. And that's part of what hurt him in the NFL. He had the speed, but he just... The route tree was not kind to Troy, uh, nor were his hands at the next level. But I think Metcalf could be a star at the next level, too. I mean, I think he's got, obviously going to have that opportunity. Uh, and what he's doing, when you know every defensive coordinator that goes up against Carroll, as long as Juice Wells remains injured, the game plan is simple. It is stop 17. Yep. You know, th- there's no other wideout that they're overly scared about in a Gamecock uniform right now. And the running game has come on, right? And, and I'm with you. Mario Anderson clearly is that guy. You said that, Jamie, weeks ago when I asked you, uh, if you had to pick one back, who should it be? You, you didn't hesitate. And that's clearly uh, the right answer now. But you got to have explosive plays in the passing game if you're Carolina. I don't think the run game is completely solved just yet. Um, and that that's the other thing about this game to me. Yeah, I mean, you could say every week, 
key is running and stopping the run. It's like, and win the turnover battle. You know, I used to joke about that on the show. It's like, okay, tell me something I, tell me something I don't know. Because I'm, I'm pretty confident that's going to be a key in every game that's ever played in the history of the sport. Uh, but but I think in this one, if you go back and you watch what Florida did to Tennessee, Florida took their will away by stopping mm-hmm. Tennessee's run early in that game. Now, sorry, I got somebody. He's disappearing. It is magic, Mike. I'm still here at Falcon Stadium here on, on the campus of Air Force. Um, the, uh, the, the, the difference is, is last year, uh, Tennessee could beat you without running the football. Now they ran it, they ran it well, but they really just threw and then they got early leads. And then most of those run yards really came on two things, draw plays. And then when they were up 20 or 30 points and there was no need to put Hendon Hooker in harm's way, run, 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 run grind out the clock, and win games. They don't have that luxury anymore. If you take away Tennessee's ability to run the ball in this game, you will win the game. Because Joe Milton, in the one game that really has mattered in terms of competition, uh, was the Joe Milton that I remembered, a guy who's erratic, who who throws a 99-mile-an-hour fastball but can't find the plate, uh, doesn't always make the right read. He's not Hendon Hooker. He never has been, and he he's not going to be this year. the the whole The whole notion that I think it was Jordan Rogers, and I like Jordan, but man, called him with with without exception the the best football, the best quarterback talent in the country. What are we basing that on? Just how far you can throw the ball, eighty yards. Right. That that's great, but he he's not one of the top ten quarterbacks in college football. I'm not sure if he's one of the top five in the SEC. Uh, so if you stop that run game. And and really make Joe Milton beat you. I think that's, that gives Carolina the best chance of winning. The other thing, and I talked about this at the beginning of the year, is that defensive coordinators they kind of catch on to things around this league, uh, and the 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 wide splits and the receivers outside the numbers. And re- I'm not saying that teams have figured it out. It still causes matchup problems, but defenses have been better at seeing what that is and knowing how to defend it. So I, I I don't think Tennessee is what they were a year ago. That being said, you know they're going to be full of piss and vinegar. <laughs> Gamecocks ruined wow. their season last year. It's it's in Neyland Stadium. It's going to be 100,000. It's going to be loud. It's not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. There's a reason why Tennessee is a double-digit favorite. Uh, but I do think there is a path to success if you're Carolina here. Is Carolina the best team they've played? I, I, I guess you would only really compare them to the Gators because that's right. – the most difficult test they've had this far. Which, which we're going to find out in a couple of weeks, right, at Williams-Brice when, when Florida yeah. and Carolina square off. I mean, yeah. look, Rattler is is a much better quarterback than Graham Mertz. That being said, Graham Mertz has actually played really well. He's just he, he's managed games, that. right? He's just managed. He doesn't have the ability of Rattler, but he's managed games. He's made the right plays. I think Florida might be a little more physical up front than Carolina right now, but I think the Gamecocks have a better quarterback and Rattler, a better receiver and Leggett. Um, trying to think of what I, I mean. I think those two teams are quite honestly fairly evenly matched. My question is: Can can the Gamecocks do what Florida did early in that game to set the tone, which is yeah, basically yeah. tell Tennessee you're not running tonight, like yeah. you, Joe Milton, you you are going to have to beat us. You're not going to gash us 
and get five, six yards of carry, which is what Tennessee's been able to do the last two years. Well, that 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 that's the whole. I, I think you're you're mentioning this a minute ago. Um, you know, give me the give me the reasons, and everybody always comes up with the obvious. Well, you got to get turnovers, and you got to score points off turnovers. Right. Oh, you got to stop the run. Oh, you got to you know not get sacked before. eight times. You know, oh well, yeah, those are the does. But like this, this in particular, and and specifically for South Carolina as well. And you're going. This is going to be a theme throughout the week on this program, at least. Um, the last couple of times that they've gone on the road, we all know, have been a lot better and actually, quite frankly, pretty good. Uh, they were dominating the Georgia. That right? That, that's a big word, but they were dominating the Georgia Bulldogs on their home turf. Just a couple of weeks ago, through 30 minutes, ended up losing by 10. Uh, had to go to Jacksonville, or had to go to uh, Charlotte, and uh, did not play well up there against North Carolina new, neutral site. Went with a, a very uh, half, you know what, version of themselves when they played Notre Dame in Jacksonville. Prior to that, they beat Clemson on their mm-hmm. turf, uh, trailing and, 14 you know, nothing. Trailing 14 nothing. But, you know, there is a lot of PTSD around here, and there should be, and I understand that, from the 2020, 2021, and then very beginning of the 22 seasons where every time Carolina would go on the road, you looked up at the end of the first quarter and you wondered, I, do they do they realize that the game actually did kick off? Huh. Or do they not? Do they think that you can just start playing in the second quarter, maybe the third quarter? I mean, it was embarrassing mm-hmm. under Coach Muschamp and under Coach Beamer at times on the road. And this is that's exactly what happened two years ago in this ballpark, in this game. Tennessee embarrassed them in yeah. the first half of that game. And and that is what you have got to – not the embarrassment part, Mike. That, that'll take care of itself. You have to take care of the fact that in the first 15 minutes of the game, while that place is going bonkers and yelling obscenities at all your players and – and wishing you know death upon your dogs and and all kinds of stuff, you have fo- got to find a way to take your focus and keep it right there between the goal lines, and work on those moments and those plays one by one, so you don't look up and you're down fourteen to nothing with all the energy that's going to be in there. I, but my fear is, and I'll turn this back over to the two of y'all because I've been rambling here. My greatest fear for Carolina football Saturday night is that whatever they do allows, as you just mentioned, Joe Milton has not really been that accurate. He's not good when you when he's on the run. But whatever they do does not prevent him because he, from getting into a rhythm. He is capable of getting into a rhythm. Every quarterback is. And then you see that 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 one glimpse of what Aaron Rodgers was talking about. All of a sudden it's the career night for Joe Milton and you don't want to be the poster boy for that. Jordan Rogers. Um, I think it's what you meant there, right? Not, not well, Aaron. did I say Aaron? I might have said Aaron Rodgers, but Jordan yeah. Rogers, gold jacket, green jacket. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little different uh career paths for uh, uh for both. But no, I'm I'm with you. You the, the thing I, I what I like, I think that a lot of those issues that you've talked about from let's say two years ago. Or it's like you go in there and it's like in, in the blink of an eye, you're down two scores. I think a lot of that's been resolved. Obviously, the win at Clemson last year uh, spoke volumes on on having a team ready to, to 
to, to win on the road and do what it takes. Now, in that case, again, they did fall behind. And then I also think of a game, kind of an underrated game from last year, because on the road, very often things don't go the way you plan, and you do have to win ugly. Right. The Kentucky game stands out there. Like, that was not a thing of beauty, right? I mean, it was, right. was not a thing of beauty, but the bottom Defense line is, win. well, yeah, but you did just enough to win. You did just yeah. enough to get the hell out of Lexington with a W under your belt. And who knows? Maybe this is that kind of game where you have to do the same type of things. and You have to win the same type of game. A road recipe is is very often what you don't predict or plan on. It just the, the game dictates winning in different ways. Uh, and I think this team can win in different and different. Excuse me, in different ways. I, I think that we haven't seen the best defensive performance yet. We saw it for a half against Georgia. Um, this would be an opportunity for the defense to really rise up and and show some folks what they can be. Because I haven't I haven't seen uh, the level of defense that I want to top to bottom so far this year. I I agree with that. There's they've been in and out, up and down. But if they can put it all together, it's there, and um, you certainly feel like they've got the ability to do so. It's 11.50. We do need to step aside one final time here. In hour number one, we will take a drive around the SEC coming up here at the top of the noon hour. Uh, But we'll also, even though we'll pick some of these games later on in the week and things of that nature, uh, as much as we'll talk about the Gamecocks today, we'll also maybe take a peek at their rival. Could the Tigers be staring at a 2-3 and start? Maybe. We'll see what Mike thinks about that as well. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks of the show, built by the Barndo Co. We'll be right back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cold Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast. The char level. We use a number three level char. If you char too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer, just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor.
If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Back to Magic Mike and Mad Dog on Sirius XM channel 486. I'm just here so I won't get fined. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> final, final segment. That's not, uh, if anybody's tuning in, we know we get a lot of people that pop in around noon because that's when you're going to lunch. No, it's not, it's not JC. He didn't wake up looking like Mike Morgan this morning. He's. Uh, we wouldn't do that to JC. JC's got a, you know, JC's a thespian. You know, he, he's actually done some acting. Yeah, he's he's got a more of a face for radio, but he's got the personality. Well, he, being he, oh, he's, he's got you know what yeah, he really, he, yeah, the the personality for it for sure. But that's how we oh, all met no, too. Theater. Yeah, yeah I oh, actually really? got that story the other day, waiting on uh, waiting on hold from uh, from Mad Dog there about the connection. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a whole other story um somebody pick but yeah pick but he went when jc was here in atlanta you know atlanta has become the hollywood of the south the um, the amount of movies and tv shows that they film in georgia would astound you and for fans of ozark and i'm sure we have a number of fans of that show in our uh, audience mm-hmm. he uh that that entire show's filled uh filmed in georgia on lake Oconee yep. and lake Lanier. And many right. of the, uh, the surrounding spots, like restaurants and things of that nature, places I've been to over the last dozen years or so. Um, but the, but uh, what's the show with the the vampires or whatever? I, I never watched it. Um, you oh, the Walking oh, Dead. Zombies. Walking Dead. Another yeah. one. Every episode filmed right here. I mean, you can go on and on and on. The amount of they movies. Walking filmed. Dead over there? Yeah. yeah. Every bit of it. Yeah. Every bit of it. Uh, and, and why you say, well, why? Uh, and well, addition, you know, the landscape, you've got lakes, you've got unique spots, you've got a major city and you've got small towns and you've got the beach, you've got a little bit of everything, but you also have tax breaks. So you can save a lot of money filming things here in the state of Georgia. But JC had it. I mean, he, when he was down here, one of his goals, and I thought he'd be perfect for it was to play like an extra or a small character role in Ozark. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine JC full fledged beard? Um, you know, yeah. the, the right accent. Uh, that would I mean, be he great. totally pulled that off. Totally pulled to, that off. Like, who would he have been? Would he have been the, the poppy seed family or would he have been like the. He could have been one of those guys. 
Mm-hmm. He could have been one of those guys. No question. Um, like the, what was yeah, the name the of that family? Um, oh, wait, which of, one? Which, the the which, one, the, 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 the one that owned girl? all the, yeah. Yo, that was the, uh, no, they the weren't the, the The husband the got blown away by the wife. The wife was just pure evil. <laughs> yeah. And then she had a love affair with the son. And it was just Laramore. crazy. The Laramore boy. The Laramore, Laramore boy, boys. That was the name of the family? The that was the name of, no, that was the name of the other, that was the name of the, the blonde Snells. and her brothers. The Snells. The Snells. The Snells. That, yeah. JC could have been a Snell. There's no yeah. question. And if they bring the show back, we're going to talk to uh, some agents out there and get JC a role as a Snell. I can totally <laughs> see him pulling that off. Totally I can also see him, see him being one of the Laramore kids. Or like their their dad or something. Yeah, I don't think they're going to bring that show back. Unfortunately, not. Um, it's a shame. It's one of the few on Netflix that I actually got into. I just finished, by the way. Uh, my wife and I watched the the part two, if you will. I guess this is the final part of the Murdaws on mm. Netflix. I know for a lot of people, that's a. I, I mean, I know a bunch of people in South Carolina who either knew these people or had interaction yeah. with them. Everybody from Casey Manning, yeah, uh, to just regular people in that part of the state that would see them everywhere, and of course, just people that would see them at Gamecock games. You can't watch any of those episodes without seeing Gamecock logos all over the place. Uh, but it's it's you, such a just messed up deal. I still can't get over it. Oh, it's yeah, and I know a family who was very very close with them. Um, very close as a matter of fact which is you know they can't believe it all happened did you happen to see the and i know we got to run to a break here um but um did you happen to see the sign at college game day this year before north carolina and south carolina played about it was like uh i don't think so it was like you're talking about it was it was it was murdoch it was alec murdoch uh in his carolina stuff or something and it was north carolina fans like you know, this is who we're dealing with, or something like that. It was like, man, they brought out the guns. <laughs> like, this guy was just waving it around. He's just thought, wow. Yeah. You let yeah, this cat into the, there in the game cup. You watch that. If you watch, and I, you know, that's a, it's kind of habitual for me is game day. Um, I do miss David Pollock, but watching that show you're always going to see a, a rather obscene sign that kind of sneaks through there and gets in oh yeah i mean somebody well, always gets one well it wasn't oh, easy. it wasn't hard to sneak them in in charlotte i was there and i was like yeah come the sign play. police I mean, was not in full effect i mean Paul i wasn't Clark there like was not tearing them up no and i wasn't there like first thing in the morning but when i did get over there around like 11 there was still you know some of the some of the drunks were still <laughs> sleeping out there from last night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think this guy's a football fan. He just happens to be sleeping on that bench. <laughs> like, yeah. he's, he's, you know, whatever. All right, uh, we are out of here. We'll take a drive around the SEC. We'll get back into the Gamecocks, and we'll talk about the Tigers. Could they lose this weekend at Syracuse and be under 500? Uh-huh. Yeah, this Clemson Tigers. Under 500 to open the 2023 season. Maybe. Mike Morgan, Phil Molinax, and myself, JB. We'll be right back inside the Gamecocks, the show served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. 
Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336 259 7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. It's now time to take a drive around the SEC. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. No hassles, no all-day runarounds, no ridiculous add-on stickers. At Love Chevy, buying a car is fun. South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer. I-26 at Harbison and at lovechevy.com. Find new roads. It's 12.03, final hours, Tuesday, right? Yeah, Tuesday, September the 26th. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks. The show is part of Power Hour here, presented by Palmetto Medicare and Brian Spencer. It is also now time for our drive around 
the SEC, driven by Love Chevy in Columbia. My wife and I soon will be turning in her old car, and that's where we're going to go next because the last car we got, I'm not going to say where we got it from, but uh, I will never trust those people (laughs) ever again after what we've been through for two years. They'll have no fury like someone scorned by a car dealership. He's Louise, dude. Like, just don't lie, man. Like, I mean... Just tell the truth, you know, and I know that the guys that love Chevy do, so they do, we have yes. no problem making a drive to Are you a Columbia. truck guy? you a, a pickup guy? What are you? Yeah, I'm good. My truck, I've got, I've got a GMC Sierra. I'm fine, but um, I'm not going to say what my wife has because I don't want to – I'm not going to do anything like that publicly. But. Okay, fine. fair enough. Fair fair enough. All right, let's, uh, let's get started. We'll start up with some players of the week, and the Gamecocks were well – represented in that we have co-offensive players of the week Jaden Daniels of LSU who was uh despite LSU's defense being shoddy Daniels was terrific 34-31 win 20-29 including 11-13 in the second half 320 yards and four touchdowns to me Jaden Daniels and the other co-offensive player of the week Spencer Rattler like there is a line of demarcation between those two guys and the level of ball they're playing versus the other 12 starters in this league. Now, maybe somebody else steps up. There's a lot of games to be played, but I just think out of the early gate here, those two are playing at a different level. And speaking of Rattler, uh, again, if you watched it, <clears throat> you saw basically perfection through the better part of uh, a half. And then some, he completed his first 17 passes should have been another one. There was a, should have been a pass interference on the uh, first incompletion. Finished of 18 to 20, 288 yards, three touchdowns, no picks in the 37-30 win over Mississippi State. He led back-to-back touchdown scoring drives of 98 and 99 yards to open the game. Those are the two longest drives of the Beamer era at South Carolina. Xavier Leggett connected on a pair of TD passes from 76 and 75 yards. It was just the second time in school history the Gamecocks have had two 75-plus yard pass plays in the same game. Do we know what the other game was? I'm curious. If it was like Pacific, I don't care. Um, this was an SEC game and a challenging game at that. So there's a lot. I used to go look through the Gamecock record book quite a bit. Um, and I always wanted to be up to speed on everything. There's a lot of school records that were set against lackluster teams. Show me the game, the, the record set against big-time opponents or SEC opponents. That impresses me a lot more. Yeah, I want to – I'll find it. I'll find the answer. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just curious. Uh, Steve has it in there somewhere. I'm sure he died. I it's, didn't mean to throw out the uh, you know, minutiae well, I, here. I know this is, this is the first time that it's been the same player, 75 or more. Mm-hmm. I know that. Yeah. But I don't know um, – I'll find it. I'll find it. I got a question for you. Yeah. There's a – I think that, that we – the language we use when we have these type conversations sometimes needs to probably be corrected a little bit. There's a difference in valuable and best because Mm -hmm. when you have, sometimes when you say, well, who's the best quarterback in the league? Mm -hmm. Well, everybody has their version of best, but my, my version of best is best. Like who's, who's the best guy. I mean, period the end, but then also who's the most valuable quarterback in the league. How would when you look through a quarter of the season, are is that are those two guys the same guy in your mind, or do you think that there's a best quarterback in the SEC and a most valuable quarterback in the SEC? Well, I, I know where you're heading, it, and I agree with you. I mean, 
the most valuable is Spencer Rattler because without him, I'm afraid to know what this season would look like, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. LSU has got a hell of a backup that would start for, again, like 100 teams in Division One. Um, right. Other teams can win games in, with a great running game, you know, in different ways or just an incredibly salty defense. Carolina doesn't have either one of those luxuries right now. So every time Spencer Rattler goes out there, he knows it's on him. And if he doesn't come through, it's going to be real tough to win games in this league uh, without him having not just a good effort, but a great effort. That's the type of pressure that is not on Jaden Daniels of LSU. Because LSU can win games in other ways. Um, It's not on some of the other you know, programs that I just alluded to. So yeah, I I know where you're heading with that. And I would, I would totally agree with that. You know, how they actually get, like if we're, remember there was a big deal about the beginning of the year, if you go back to media days. And I said at the time, well, well, don't get mad about it. Do something about it. A lot of people were taken back about Spencer Rattler not being first team, second team or third team preseason all SEC. Well, if you base it on last year, he didn't deserve to be preseason all SEC. But if you base it on performance and what he's actually doing this year, he's going to be one of those guys. I don't think there's any question. So right. there's no there's no there's no point in belly aching of oh we don't get any respect and they're out there. No, that's that's nonsense. He didn't have the kind of year last year, and you can blame some on the offensive coordinator, and you can blame we can go on and on and on about that whole thing. But he's a better player this year, playing better ball. That's the kind of thing we used to expect, right? A player got better year to year to year. Um, and, and that's what Spencer Rattler has done. And clearly the offense is more quarterback friendly and none of us could have imagined, uh, Xavier Leggett would be this good at this point. Right. I mean, so if you would have told me that juice Wells was going to be a non-factor for the first, first third of the season, I would have said, Oh, bleep, <laughs> this is going to be a problem. I think everybody would have. Right. I mean, yeah. you're, you can't run. You're you're one of the worst yards per carry teams in the league, and you have you don't have Juice Wells. That's going to be a problem for Spencer Rattler, but it hasn't been because he's been that exceptional. So yeah, uh, it's a long. Well, Mike, if you were to if 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 the season were over and you were to and the and the NFL draft were tomorrow, first round, who are you talking about? Spencer Rattler. Spencer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he's there yet. I I don't think he. Well, see. Those decisions for a lot of, I'm a big draft guy. Oh, I, I, as I joke, I kind of have a sickness. I'll sit there and I'll watch every pick of all seven rounds every year. It's I'm not proud of this. I am not bragging. It's it's a it's a problem I have. Yeah. And you got an eye uh, for QBs too. That's the other side of it. Well, yeah. and I do. I'm I'm fascinated by the position. I I just I I love watching it. Knowing what they look for, so many of those decisions have already been made. That doesn't mean you can't change it. But for example, like a guy like Stetson Bennett wouldn't have gone in the first 30 rounds of an NFL draft a couple of years ago. And then he played his way into like a fifth round pick and he'll be a backup in the league for 10 years and make a nice living. Uh, Spencer Rattler does not have Caleb Williams, Drake may that type of skill set. Not, a, not, he's not going to go to a combine and outperform them in that ways. So you have to think of it the way NFL scouts do. They don't just look at performance on the field. Spencer Rattler's performance on the field has moved him up quite a bit on draft boards already. But when mm-hmm. it comes to – and he throws a pretty ball. Uh, to me, oh. his arm is strong enough. But yeah. 
but make no mistake about it, Williams and May are going to be the top two guys. That's just not that's not changing. Um, and then now there's a lot of hype on Bo Nix, who's another guy who's got he's got the arm, he's got the wheels, and for whatever reason it didn't happen at Auburn. It certainly is happening at Oregon. I mean, he is so he is going to go uh high in the draft. The kid from Duke is gonna go high in the draft, the Leonard kid. Um there's probably a couple off the top of my head that I'm missing. And then, and then Joe Milton could be the Anthony Richardson of this year's draft, where he doesn't play that well in college, but Anthony Richardson was a top 10 pick based purely on potential and that he went to a combine and put on a clinic. And potentially Joe Milton will do that. And, and somebody might take him higher than they should, but that can happen. So I don't know if Spencer Rattler is a first-round pick today, but he certainly could play his way into that. Well, this was mentioned on TV the other night. I don't remember who mentioned it. Had to be. Um, I thought it was mentioned during the Georgia game, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Xavier Leggett as being a potential first-round draft pick, and I hadn't even really no. thought about that. Hadn't even thought about it. You I know, but here the last couple of weeks, and like I say, DK Metcalf. Yeah, that's who played himself into a first round pick. Right. I mean, you look at what he does. We've already gone over this earlier in the program. And now and then you pair the fact that at this point in time, he leads the country in receiving yards Uh, at the end of the year. If he doesn't lead the nation in receiving yards, um, that won't really matter. But he'll have enough. That's for sure. And if he has enough, that means he's putting it on tape enough. And if he's put it on tape enough, that means he's probably worked his way because he's got all the attributes. He catches the football. He runs like the wind, the whole nine yards. But Mike, I I started just kind of thinking specifically to South Carolina, and I will have to go to the record book for this, uh, or I, I will not have to go to the record book for this because I know what the answer is. It's no. But just could you could you imagine? Really, honestly, could you imagine? Uh, a scenario where in the spring of 2024, the Gamecocks of South Carolina, who haven't had a receiver go in the first round since Troy Williams, have a maybe a late round first round, a late first round quarterback in Spencer Rattler, who could go. All it takes is one team that likes you that says, I don't need you right now. I need sure. you in two or three years. Um, and And then a first rounder and a wide receiver. That's obviously never happened in South Carolina because they've only ever had one quarterback drafted. His name was Todd Ellis. That's it. So uh, did Anthony Wright not get drafted? No, he was an undrafted free agent. No, gosh, I maybe yeah. he was a late rounder. Nope. So you're talking uh, about like, and and I'll say, and I'll throw this in there too. Todd went in the ni- I think Todd went in the ninth round. They only have seven rounds today. So right. I mean, technically, there's never He's, been a yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but like I know baseball draft guys who went in like the 40th round and right, still, right, right, right. They still went. Oh you yeah, know? yeah. I'm not saying he, I didn't uh, say he wasn't draft. Just for context, like I'm trying to think of the highest uh, oh. Oh, quarterback drafted play. So Connor Shaw, I knew wasn't going to get drafted, but you know, I mean, he his intangibles were off the roof, and for my money, still put together the best Gamecock career for any quarterback. Um, I'm not even sure it's that close, to be honest with you. I mean, mm. when you when you look at how clutch he was and all those key games, the schedule he had to play. Again, we're not talking about an independent slate. We're we're talking about eight SEC games a year, plus Clemson, plus whatever 
Carolina played at the top of the schedule, whether it was the Tar Heels or somebody else. Connor Shaw, to me, that's the best resume for any Gamecock quarterback in the history of the program. Now, I know I was around long enough to know the history of people like Jeff Grant and others who were terrific in their own way, different era, different time, uh, and they're on the list. I, I was certainly old enough to see Steve Tannehill, and he's on the list, but Connor Shaw would be at the top. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, that is the amazing part of the program is that Carolina's had terrific wide receivers roll through there. I mean, I'm talking all time now, not in the last few years. Um, terrific defensive backs, terrific linebackers, terrific a lot of things. But the the ability to reel in top-notch quarterbacks has not always been there. And imagine if you can turn that around. You know, imagine if you can can start getting those type of guys. Uh, well, and I think the longer that I was going to mention this a minute ago with Dowell, you know, Dowell's offense is you, you can see it. Like I've seen some things on the message boards from people that know literally absolutely nothing of it, clearly about what they're talking about. Um, this guy's he has a good offensive system, and it is a work in progress uh, because of what they have to work with. But it's pretty good, and you're seeing right now what Spencer Rattler is doing. And and Dowell Loggins has connections all over the NFL. He was a coordinator in the league for almost a decade. And I thought know, the guy so, from Clemson was supposed to be the great offensive coordinator hire. I thought well, everybody should be upset that they didn't get him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their heads were falling off over that. I mean, yeah. it was like Petey, you know. I mean, and and so and I agree with Joel. Uh, Loggins is the best OC since Spurrier. It's not totally really, agree. It's not even that's not yeah. even like a conversation. I mean, it's it's that's a no brainer. This guy is a brilliant mind, yeah. and and that's why we have guys like like people. You know, we don't just have Perry and Pat on every week to blow smoke up your around because they wouldn't do that. Pat won't do that, and I know Perry won't. They come on here and when they tell you like, man, this guy's pretty good. My point is like, he's an asset to what you just said, Mike. Being able to recruit highly highly touted quarterbacks to right. South Carolina. And Spencer Rattler this year, and it's only we're only four games in, so we got a long way to go. I mean, this this conversation is so premature. But um, do you know how many all conference quarterbacks South Carolina's had since they've been in the league? Nineteen ninety two. Uh, we, I guess we're talking first team, second team, third team. You're gonna have to go um, further. You're gonna have to go beyond that well, to get. My answer would be it. zero. It's one. Yeah. Phil Petty was, was honorable mention in two thousand. Well, that that doesn't. Honorable mention doesn't Yeah, that's count. outside looking in. Yeah, they, they don't even do honorable mention anymore. They used to yeah. do. That was part of the all yeah. SEC selections no, back. I, then. I mean, no, you're. And I, I've actually. I used to go over that. Um, much to the dismay of some of the the listeners of my show back in Columbia, it's like you realize the lack of quarterback tradition here relative to yeah. the other programs in this league. No, no, all SEC quarterbacks. The lack of first round, second round, third round quarterback. Like I get it. There's been some talented guys, but there's no reason why the Gamecocks can't corral some pretty highly touted guys. It's a lot this program has to offer, and you know, so much of it does have to do with geography. And I mean, if helped, if it would help if some kid from Irmo was a five star quarterback, but can't always rely on that like LSU has five-star defensive players every year just right in their backyard you can just throw out a fishing rod and hook five of them in every recruiting class without ever having to get so much as a bus ticket to, to go outside 
the county you catch fish like that <laughs> but but you're 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 gonna have to do it differently the spencer ratworth thing i mean without shane beamer he's not in columbia that that was a unique uh a unique grab based on a unique connection during shane's time at oklahoma but sometimes you need those type of connections sometimes that, that's the only way to, to to get it done and to make that happen but there's no question i mean that is a a position where they need to start getting more and more highly touted guys. The position has never been more important. We're not going back to hand it off 40 times a game and win games that way. It's never going to look like 1980 George Rogers. Like that's just not where college football is. The teams that I mentioned that run it really well, the teams like that are running it well last year, this year, I mean, last year, the top rushing teams, you had Ole Miss, you had Arkansas, you had Georgia, you had Tennessee, you had Alabama. These are all teams that threw the ball well to help set up the run. You don't run to set up the pass anymore. You pass to set up the run for the most part. And if you don't have a passing game and they just load the box, you're not running. You're not gonna you're not gonna run the ball. Again, it's not it's not nineteen eighty two. Uh so it, it's just a different a different time and and, and era. And when Spurrier really had it cooking, I mean, you had to respect Connor Shaw and Alshon Jeffrey, and um, I'm forgetting one of my other favorite wide receivers that was in that offense. But I mean, he Sammy. had well, no, 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 and uh, later I mean, t- during during the 11 win seasons, not McKinley, oh. not Sidney Rice. I'm uh, talking about Tor- during the Tory, Tory Gurley, Fayro, Fayro, no, no, Ace. Bruce, Ace, Ace Sanders, Ace yeah, Sanders. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. like like Ace. Ace was good, good at what he did. Like that was, that was, yeah. Bruce Ellington, another one. Like you had all these guys. So then that sets up Lattimore, where you can just feed him, feed him, feed him, feed him, because they can't just key in on him. Um, so I know we're going off on seventeen tangents here, but yeah, I think, I think you need that one to go back to the Rattler thing on first round possibilities, because it would be awfully cool. I mean, anytime you have a, a quarterback that goes in the first round, that does help in recruiting. That does say, hey, look, we can do that here. I don't know what you've been told, but we 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 have first round guys come through this program. You can be the next. Caleb Williams uh is certainly going to be number one. Drake May is going to be number two. But then you have guys like like Quinn Ewers of Texas. His arm is as strong as anybody's out there. He could be playing himself into a first round pick. Bo Nix. This we'll year. It, Ewers is ready to go this year. He's eligible. He's go- oh, he's gone. I didn't yeah. realize he was eligible. I thought he had one yeah. more year for some reason. No, no, he, he, he be gone. Um, and then, uh, you know, Arch Manning time. Yeah. That's got to, got to dust him off eventually. There's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, all right. So just to, just to finish, that's what I love about the show. You never pull him out of the closet. Somebody's got to get their ROI on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Who's your backup quarterback? His last name's Manning. Oh, damn. You must be pretty good. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, hey, uh, c- c- kudos so. to Maxwell Hairston, Defensive Player of the Week, Kentucky. Uh, Gamecocks will see Kentucky, of course, and another key swing game. Two pick sixes in one game. Ties an SEC record. That was crazy. Somebody uh, dust him off. Somebody dust him off already. <laughs> Where's that kid that was like the most hyped recruit in the history of recruiting? Oh, yeah. He's third string right now in Austin. Uh, Freshman of those brothers on ESPN. Yeah, that guy. (laughs) Defensive lineman of the week, Alex Huntley out of Blythewood. Uh, Three tackles, including a pair of sacks, and broke up two passes in the Carolina victory. 
led a Gamecock defense that held the Bulldogs to just 32 yards rushing on 23 carries. Boy, if you could only do that against Tennessee, you're rolling out of Knoxville with a dub. I promise you that much. That's going to be tough to do. Uh, looking at the schedule this week, we're going to talk plenty about Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky. This is, again, this is one of those separator games. Um, Kentucky has played very little, let's just say. Devin Leary has been fine. They're better than they were a year ago offensively, but they haven't been great by any stretch of the imagination. That'll be at noon. Kentucky, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. A&M at Arkansas. Uh, it, you know, if the Aggies win this one and they're four and one, they're two and zero oh in the SEC. Maybe they're maybe they're getting it together right now. Connor Wegman, don't know if he is going to be a, available to play in that one. He's been banged up, but they just happen to have a guy in Max Johnson as the backup, who again mm-hmm. could start for a lot of teams in college football. Georgia Auburn, this is the Deep South's oldest rivalry, but Georgia has dominated it of late. They've won nine out of the last ten, even the year they lost it which I believe might have been 2017. They wound up avenging the loss in the SEC championship game. Uh, They're expected to dominate this one as well, 14.5-point favorite. LSU is at Ole Miss. Again, another chance for Lane Kiffin to make a statement in a huge game. LSU is a three-point favorite in that game in Oxford. Alabama at Mississippi State and Missouri Vandy. Missouri is 4-0. I don't know if anybody knows that. Outside right. of Show Me State, but they are four and zero, and they should be five and zero after that game against the Commodores. Heading, heading home to host LSU if they can beat uh, if they can beat Vanderbilt this weekend. So you could have a potential top twenty matchup in Columbia, Missouri, between the Tigers and the Tigers. You, you know what they have, and and I'll just end with this. Uh, this is a really good year in the league for wide receivers. So Leggett, stud, that everybody is learning his name. Juice Wells, when he's healthy, stud. Malik Neighbors of LSU, stud. Luther Burden of Missouri, 10 more catches, 177 more yards. He's got a little bit of Debo Samuel in him, kind of built similarly. Um, yeah. And every time you put the ball in his hands, just magic happens. He's a stud. I mean, and of course, you saw what, what Tulu Griffin did. There's a lot of good wideouts in the SEC this year for, for what some would say is a little bit down year at, at quarterback compared to last year. Uh, they certainly don't take a back seat to any conference in top to bottom wideouts. They got some game breakers out there this year. If you are planning to head to Knoxville this weekend and you know that the Vols are wearing black, which is the color of the Gamecocks, they've forgotten that up there. It's okay. It happens from time to time in the volunteer state. Maybe you feel like you need to wear garnet or white instead. Gamecock Traditions is where you're going to want to go to get that new gear before you hit the road for the ball game between the Vols and South Carolina. Gamecock Traditions will deliver it to your doorstep as well. That's what I do because I can't just drive from Johns Island to West to uh, Lexington every time I need a new shirt. I don't, as a matter of fact. I go to Gamecock Traditions, and then they send it to me, and they get it there pretty quickly. You can also upgrade your tailgate there. You can also get a new cup to have your favorite bourbon in, which we all know is Chicken Cock, or your favorite vodka, which we all know is Dixie. These all It all ties in if you hadn't figured it out yet. But thankfully, Gamecock Traditions is there to save, save me. If you don't live in Lexington and you live somewhere else and you don't have that superstore near your home with quality stuff, they do and they deliver it. And it gets there very quickly. They ship it within 24 hours always. I've never had something later. 
within three or four days on my doorstep. So order it today. Thanks to Kevin and Scott and all those great guys at Gamecock Traditions for what they do. GamecockTraditions.com. Mike, the best 4-0 team in the East is Missouri or Kentucky. I don't know, but we'll talk about that next year on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotra, Conventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. Because you've become my Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios. Welcome back. Mike Morgan in today for Schubert, who is uh, having to deal with some things, but he'll be back tomorrow. We always have Mad Dog. Uh, 
and we're glad to have that final 30 minutes of the program. Mike, who's better, Missouri or Kentucky? I was thinking about that over the break. I, I think they're both extremely close. I guess what it comes down to for me is just based on recent success, I trust Kentucky more. I, I trust Mark Stoops, uh, one of the best defensive coordinators in the SEC, who's been around uh, a long time that to go with him. Um, I trust Devin Leary, although he's not been maybe the dynamo that they thought he would be after transferring from NC State. Um, I, I, the offensive line is better than it was for Will Levis a year ago. So I would give Kentucky a slight edge uh, mm-hmm. over Missouri, but it's not much. I think both those teams are in a similar spot. They're, they're both about to dial it up scheduling-wise. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of eye candy out there right now in terms of records and rankings and beautiful stats for teams that haven't played much. That's not the case for Carolina, obviously. That is the case for a lot of teams through four weeks that you're going to see the humbling uh, process kick in because the the SEC schedule is unforgiving once you get you know especially into October. Carolina will play both of those teams. They've got Missouri and Columbia. Missouri. And of course they have the Wildcats is the second to last game of the season. That's at home. And Williams Bryce is the third of four consecutive home games, maybe under the lights, but certainly on the turf of the Gamecocks in the capital city. The final game of the year is played against Clemson. Hmm. Two and two are the Tigers through four. They've got to go to Syracuse. This So look, we have a really unique situation <clears throat> in, right now in college football compared to what we have been used to over the last let's call it um, I mean consistently consistently over the last uh, seven-ish years okay not 10 not 12 let's be realistic here Clemson and Alabama when the Tigers became when they went from really really good to elite when they started winning national championships um, and it was Clemson and Alabama, right? Every year, those were the two that you knew you could pretty much count on to be in it. And I mentioned to you last week, Mike, that um, that for the first time in since I could remember, uh, certainly since Saban had been there, that you would look at Alabama's schedule, and there were five losable ball games left on it in my mind. One of them was Ole Miss, and they won that game. So now maybe there's only four. Maybe none of them are losable. Maybe they're figuring it out. I have no idea. Okay, but if you can translate that conversation over to the rival of the Gamecocks, and and so they're two and two, all right. They got eight games left, Mike. So I'm gonna we're, we're gonna come up with a new game here, pop quiz, right? New new okay. new game, losable or unlosable at Syracuse this weekend. If they start feeling sorry for themselves, uh, it's a losable game. It, sure. If if they can just block out the noise and, and what the start is and everything else, and they just play ball, then they're not losing that game. They shouldn't. But, okay. but, they but can. the psycholo- absolutely they can. The psychological index is a real thing when you're talking about 19, 21, 22-year-olds. Uh, yes, it is a losable game. I don't think they'll lose it, but it is a losable game. All right, and generally when they go to Syracuse, they do have trouble, just so True. everybody's aware. They, they have trouble right. up there. So, all right, so – Syracuse, there's eight games left, guys. Syracuse, mm-hmm. losable. How about yep. Wake next week? Yeah, losable. Okay. 
At Miami. No, without question, they'll be an underdog in that game. At NC State. Losable. Notre Dame. <laughs> Do I even have to say it? Losable. Okay. Unless right. Notre Dame, you know, it's plays with ten guys on defense the whole game. <laughs> Which they might. No, the, oh, they, might. they came up. They came up with a system to prevent that moving forward. I. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> might want to want to make sure eleven are out there for the most important play of the game, if not the season. Before you take that bike out for a ride, you might want to put two tires on it. You know what? I'm going to come up with a system to make sure that I always had that second tire on your ride. I agree with you there. Um, uh, Georgia Tech, losable or no? I don't think that is. Nah, I think nah, that'll be Georgia okay. Tech. All right. Now let's finish with the last two. North Carolina at South Carolina. Losable, losable. So seven of the final eight games, and I'm not picking on these guys. That's not what I'm doing here. All right. Could be. It's my show, and I don't care for them a whole lot. <laughs> But like, yeah. but I'm not, that's not the point of this. The point right. of it is there's a couple of things going here. One, I don't think they're as good as they've been. Number two, I want to give some credit to the ACC. ACC I think it's a little bit better yeah. than we've well, given them credit for. You, you guys have known me long enough. I, I don't play the game where I just cater to the show that I'm on. So <laughs> if this were the power hour on, uh, you know, Tiger Rag Illustrated, uh, presented by um, Palmetto Medicare, maybe a much much better looking guy than than our Brian Spencer. Uh, I would I would say the same thing to thousands of Clemson fans as opposed to thousands of Gamecock fans, which is, I really think Clemson's got to be careful of a changing of the guard in their own league. Florida State right now is rolling. I mean, they are on all cylinders and they are prepared to usurp Clemson at the top of that league. They are the ones with the dynamic wide receivers. Uh, they are the ones right now getting great quarterback play. They are the ones with a guy like Jared Verse that's unblockable and a first-round pick who came back for another year on defense, which is what Clemson used to have seemingly every year. Um, they might play again in the ACC championship game. Uh, Clemson could conceivably lose that twice, or they could have redemption. But if Dabo doesn't alter what he's doing in the portal or what he's not doing, and they don't they don't bring in the kind of receivers that they were bringing in, you can't blame them for not getting another Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, because that just doesn't happen every year. Ask Alabama. I mean, they're starting a guy they clearly don't feel that confident in, in Jalen Milrow, but that's the best they have. It just sometimes even five stars crap out. Even elite 11 kids you know, Vanderbilt's got an elite 11 quarterback in Swan who keeps throwing it to the other team. Uh, recruiting and, and quarterbacks are not always an exact science. But I do believe that Clemson's not just going to fall apart as much as many people would like to see that. Like, they're not going to just fall like, say, a Texas did, or they're not going to, like like Florida State under Willie Taggart. Or, you know, that, that's not going to happen. They're in the ACC. They're going to keep recruiting well as long as Dabo stays there. They're going to win a lot of games, but I do think they could, they might be, we might be watching a changing of the guard where Florida State is the new power in that league. Yeah. I, you, it's the, Bill, we, I think we've had this conversation recently. The numbers have changed because there are six four and O teams in the ACC. And look, you can slice and dice any way you want to. There's only one team in the ACC that's 0-4. That's probably the worst team in the Power 5. Virginia is 
awful. Matter of fact, JC said it yesterday, Virginia, Virginia Tech at the end of the year is going to be the most depressing rivalry Nobody is going to want to watch that game. I think they Although played that game so on the Friday. I was so excited when it looked like they were about to take down NC State this past weekend and shot their own selves in the foot. I mean, you know, yeah. talk about, oh, golly. Throwing yeah, it, it did. And, and, hey, you know, that, you know, these programs – have collectively been through a lot um, over the years. It's hard to believe both of them have had shootings on campus um, yeah. and things like that. I mean, yeah. that's just asinine. That should never happen. And uh, I, I but, was there. Um, I was there, JB, a week before it happened. I was there to call it, Virginia Miami last year on ESPN Radio, and uh, I think it was the very next week or within days the shooting happened. One of the kids that I called who caught a touchdown pass was then subsequently murdered a few days later. That hit me oh, in, a, in, a, in a weird way. I, I didn't know the kid, but it's still, it was just surreal. Uh, they, they, they've both been hit by hard times. Um, maybe Tony Elliott gets it together, maybe not. But quite honestly, they were bad before the tragedy. Um, they were, yeah. They were, they were god-awful bad before that. And, and I, you know, it's time for Tony Elliott to pick it up or it's going to be a very short stay in, in Charlottesville. Virginia Tech now has had um, years to 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 try to. They're, they're not going to get back to Frank Beamer level anytime soon, but they should be better than what they have been. Um, that's for sure. And yeah, I mean, when you've got two basketball schools four and zero, and the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils, and game days going to Duke, I never thought I'd say that in my lifetime. Uh, it's a weird, it's a weird time in that league. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a weird time and a great time for it. But you know, with six and oh, six four and oh teams, again, you can you can slice that and dice it however you want to, and say, well, the, well, they they haven't really beat anybody yet. I'm not, not I'm not talking about Florida State necessarily, but well, these teams they haven't really beat anybody. They haven't done this. They haven't done that. You can say whatever, but these are also the same teams that were losing to teams they shouldn't lose to oh, before no now they're beating them. So well, and and it's not just Florida State. Miami waxed Texas A and M. Uh, right, who might turn out to be might turn out to be one of the better teams in the SEC. What is the best win for any ACC team? Is it? I mean, people say it's Florida State at Clemson, but I don't know if I. Oh, it's Florida State versus LSU on a neutral field, in my mind. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said, or uh, who was it yesterday? It was on eighty four on Sirius. It said that the win against Clemson was a bigger win because they had to go to Clemson and get it. I don't agree with that. Yeah, no, I don't agree with that. I, I I think LSU's in a different category right now than than Clemson is. Clemson's kind of figuring out who they are. LSU knows who they look. LSU had one bad half of football. They led that game against Florida State, fourteen thirteen at the half, and they yeah. made some terrible decisions, uh, which Coach Kelly fell on the sword as he should. But anybody who thinks like LSU is just like chopped liver and Florida State was clearly in a different class. No, no, you weren't paying attention then. I mean, that that's an easy like if you just saw the final score, maybe saw like highlights on Sports Center. You know, oh yeah, LSU is not in the league of Florida. Yeah, they are <laughs> talent wise. They absolutely are. Uh, yeah. They had a rematch. It wouldn't surprise me at all if LSU won the game. But for that, give it for the, for the second half of that game, they got outplayed and the wheels came off. Silly turnovers, bad mistakes. That's it. It's not like they were getting mauled on the line of scrimmage or they couldn't keep up with FSU's speed. LSU's got everything you need to win a championship athletically. Uh, and I think Jaden Daniels is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. I'll stand by all that. But for that day, uh, Florida State was better. Uh, and then Miami. 
just boat raced A&M in front of a typical apathetic half-full Miami Hurricane Stadium. Um, so it wasn't like the home crowd was a huge deal there. It was just they were just better than the Aggies were. So you know those two teams uh, are are legit, and, and the Tar Heels are no longer soft. I mean, that's the thing. I, look, we talked about this uh, before the season started months ago. The battle cry from Mac Brown and that coaching staff is, we're not going to be soft. And if we're not going to be soft, then you've got first-round quarterback and you've got some studs here and there on defense and you've got just you got good running backs. And th- I mean, they're legit. Tar Heels are a legitimate, legitimate team. They might be favored against Clemson when they, when they meet. Uh, and Duke is a great story because they beat you in different ways. They have an, they an outstanding yeah. QB. And they have a really good coach in Mike Elko, who's going to be courted mm-hmm. by a number of schools across the country. And I don't know if Duke is going to be able to keep them. Wow. Including the Duke ADs here in the six minutes ticker in the background, just this whole season. Like, well, enjoy it while you can. Cause yeah, Elko's out. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they might, they might find a, a lot of money between the seat cushions. I mean, they do it for basketball, They've got it. but. Oh, yeah, but they money, but they're just not used to spending it on that ball. No, <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, not. Mike Elko. Right. I here here's what's going to serve as Exhibit A. Every agent that has a hot coach at a at a non traditional power like Duke is going to at the end of the year say, Mike, I know, I know it's going well, man. You know, you've done a remarkable thing. They love you here, and I I just got just got off the phone with the AD. Booster just stepped up. He says he he's going to put you at seven point five million. Okay, but before you sign, let me remind you, Exhibit A, Matt Campbell, Iowa State. That can be yeah. you if you hang around here too long. So let's just look at our options. That's the conversation that's going to be had. I promise you, that'll be had. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and I don't think Matt Campbell's up against you know virtually impossible academic <laughs> situation at no. ISU as Duke is. You know, I mean, let's, right. let's face it, Duke's a little tougher to get into than Iowa State. Slightly, yeah, yeah, slightly, <laughs> slightly better chemistry program. Not yeah, that right, I would know right. anything about that. I know nothing about chemistry. I don't like science sure. at all. Uh, yeah, not I'm not a. No I hear it's good. I hear they're doing good things in the science world. They're, they're I'm just not a part things. of it. They do good things. They, I used to tell my my except when it comes my, to COVID, then they 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 they've taken a few years <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. Screwed that up, but yeah. They, <laughs> I used to tell my professor at Carolina, one of my science professors, I'd say, "You believe me, when I'm absent, I'm I'm absent because it, I'm doing this for the rest of the students in class. Yeah. This place is a lot better when I'm thank not me. in here. I assure you. That's right. Like, <laughs> just just thank very you. magnanimous." <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Our final time out of the afternoon. Did South Carolina do enough to expose maybe some of the issues the dogs of Athens have? They are 4-0, and this weekend they will head to the Plains of Auburn, take on the Tigers at 3.30 on CBS. Now, Auburn didn't have much of a showing at Texas A&M, but they probably need to have one this weekend at home if they can against the number one team in the land because of what follows the next couple of weeks. A 3-0 and start could be 3-4 and four before you know it. We'll get into that game and more right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. 
So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream, and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barn Doe Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Coppola from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. See some of that swagger Saturday night at Neyland Stadium. Final segment of Inside the Gamecocks. 
the show. Welcome back. Thanks, Mike, by the way, for uh, being in here for a full two hours a day. We, I've enjoyed we it. This is a lot on you. You've yeah. never done this before, and so we're happy to kind of bring you along <laughs> and show you the ropes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have Dude. to say, actually, let me say this real quick. Let me say this differently, because you and I have been on the air together for seven years or something like that. You know, you've always come on my shows so kindly, and, and we've, we've done it. a lot of stuff together. This, though, this is the first time. And I've told you the main reason I ever wanted to get into broadcasting was because of you. And I can't believe that 15, 16, 17 years after I first realized that's something I wanted to do, we're hosting a show together. Yeah, wow. right. That, that's well, a that's kind of a neat moment when I think about it. Great. A, that's very flattering, and I do appreciate that. Um, it, it's amazing how many um, – makes me feel a little bit older than I am, um, but I was very young when I got started. You know, most of my career in, in Columbia was in my 20s and early 30s. And I was for a while there, I kind of wore it as a badge of honor being the youngest announcer in the league. And then um, one of the youngest guys hosting shows in Columbia, which was which was great. But uh, no, I I I love the fact that uh, it's always going to be a special place for me. Uh, That fan base, which is a big part of the show, obviously, is always going to be special to me. It's it's just a big chapter in uh, the career that I have uh, chosen in broadcasting. So. Anytime you can leave any uh, impression at all, that's awesome, man. And I, 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 I'm let me just say this, and I, I haven't said this um, publicly on the show, but the job that you have done with this, there, there's a lot of people right now that are flicking on microphones and saying they do a podcast or they do a show, what have you. Uh, in a way, it's it's more open now to people. You don't have to be hired by a traditional radio company. Thank goodness. Um, that being said, there, there are certain people that do it the right way. Credibility is a big thing. Uh, you don't get thousands of people that tune into this every day. If it's not done with credible people behind the mic and it's not structured and it's not professionally done. And you have taken that blueprint that you did so well in Charleston and brought it here. So I hope the folks, um, truly understand. I mean, it's like the best of all worlds. You've got JC who's been, uh, such a force in that space on the internet for years and years with information and perspective and a guy who's followed recruiting nationally and, and just done so much uh, to provide things on the internet with the big spur uh, for Gamecock fans. And then what this show has done, it just goes to show you, uh, you know, people that, that grind and, and really work hard at something, and pay their dues like you can put together something that's just it's a better mousetrap and that's why I, what really was appealing to me about being a part of what you guys do here this is a better mousetrap uh i know other shows out there and god bless them there's good talented people across the state to do this but uh i can't think of a better uh way to do it and a, a better group of people to do it than you guys so uh, like i said I'm i'm grateful to be a part of it I appreciate it, man. No, I really do, really do. Happy to happy to be back this week. The end of last week was yeah brutal. Craig, I, Craig's asking who, who won the picks last week. Oh, who won the What's picks that? last week? Yes. And yeah, I I don't have I don't have I have it. I don't. I have it. Okay. No. Hayne Painter, if you're listening, oh, and we did we did shoot him an email. He went four zero okay. and we had a couple four zero and ones. Um. All right. 
So Which Hain, one was the push? The uh... Ohio, correct me if I'm wrong, Ohio State was a three-point favorite, or did we have it at two and a half? Ooh. I thought we I had didn't two see any of it. We we if we had two and a half, I'd gladly take that because that would improve my record. Um, <laughs> we have to go back and listen to the tape, but um, we had if it was three, then that was the push. What's what's interesting about that too is that for those that watch uh, Van Pelt and his bad beats, Ohio State scores that touchdown to go up sixteen fourteen. Initially, the clock's at triple zero when he scores it. If you score and there's no time left, you don't have to go out there for the extra point. Right. But but then they go back on review and they say, no, there was one second left. So now you have to go kick the extra point and then do the kickoff after that. Do you know how much money changed hands? Oh. I, by, I, by, I by changing that? No. I thought about it. I was watching it live, and I'm like, oh, this is actually a huge deal (laughs) to a lot of people. If they, yeah, it really would have been, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was three, so that one was a push. Hey, that's even better for me. I went three more than one. There you go. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Oh, the only one that's nuts enough to call the over on the 16 and a half, I'll tell you on that. Yeah, you know, not a running back who made that run. (laughs) It was Spencer Rattler who had both. He has the two longest runs from scrimmage this year. Yeah, for the Carolina. Uh, No running back has a run of more than like 10, 11 yards. Um, 16 was the longest run of the season before the game. Rattler did it twice. He had two runs over 16 yards, I think, including a new career high run. Can't remember the exact yardage on that. But yeah, that was the over on that one. But somebody, uh, Hayne, you've won a Fiesta Pack, fifty-five yeah, to sixty-dollar value from Salsaritas. Go ahead and email us back so you can pick mm-hmm. that up. And again, we'll do the uh, Salsaritas Fat Five Challenge again on Thursday. I do want to thank while we're throwing out bouquets, we we kid them because we love them. Brian Spencer uh, of Palmetto Medicare, Palmetto-Medicare.com. We are getting closer and closer to October fifteenth. That's a big deal for anybody in. Um, in the market for a new Medicare plan, or maybe you just want to make it better for you or a loved one, all Medicare recipients during the AEP, that's annual election period between October 15th and December 7th. That is a huge time of year for getting the best possible uh, Medicare coverage that you can get. So you'll want to give call Brian, give Brian a call today and now, as opposed to waiting any longer, 803 960 9484 Again, Brian's been doing it since 2005, helping South Carolinians, covering as much Medicare costs as possible, discussing the best plan for you, your family, your loved ones. Uh, one simple phone call can really make a difference. That's Brian Spencer of Palmetto Medicare, 803-960-9484. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Thank you so much for what you do for the great state of South Carolina and all of its residents. By the way, former Clemson quarterback Hunter Johnson in the text box today looking for two tickets to the game this Saturday if anybody has any to pass along to uh, former Clemson quarterback Hunter Johnson. I don't know if he's a former Clemson quarterback Hunter Johnson. That's the same thing with him. I'm just messing with you, dude. But I hear you. You know, uh, I uh, 
Neon green like is on line here, three. Generally, when I want tickets, right. I go buy them. <laughs> Neon green looking for a sideline pass. He's uh, Neon green. Yeah. yeah. Shoot us an email, Neon. Charlie Whitehurst, I believe, is uh, seeing if he can get some, <laughs> some bourbon from Chicken Cock. So send a, send some over to Charlie. <laughs> More Jesus looking for that. <laughs> Charlie and Hunter and Nelon and Taj—they're all in today. They're—they're uh, they're, they're looking. Taj Boyd. Well, I like Taj. Taj is a good. Taj is a really good guy. I was going to say I hear a lot of good things about Taj. who's all over. Oh yeah, town. Spent he's a, a good player too. He's highly of him. Everybody. He's, he's great. He's a good guy. Very good college player. I—I I hate when people take away from a college player because they didn't have a great pro career. I don't mm-hmm. care if you had a great pro career doesn't change what you did in college. You can win a Heisman Trophy in college and never do anything in the pros. That that, that doesn't invalidate what you did in college. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, Hunter, I wasn't picking on you about that. I was. Uh, I meant like telling the Clemson quarterback, well, go buy your own tickets is what I was, what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> maybe I didn't say that properly. But you don't want Hunter. You don't want to be tucked in between, you know, two three hundred and fifty pound men wearing nothing but Ball orange thing. overalls and hollering <laughs> at the top of their lungs. If, Come if that, on, I don't know. They might. They might be black overalls this week. Remember, they've uh, they've gone dark or enabled. What are they called? Initiated it, dark mode. Yeah, dark mode. Is that going to be the black jersey, or are they going to go with the smoky gray? No, no, it's all they're wearing it's all black. black, black helmets, black everything, but numbers, letters are are orange. Uh, yeah. I think it's, it's pretty a, hideous, to be honest with you. Tennessee can be a play by play man's nightmare, depending on their combo reading some of those numbers. Uh, true. When, when, they, when they do that certain, I don't know, light orange or whatever the heck it is. I'm trying to think, what do they wear in 05? So I, I was I was there to call that game in 05. This is back when we did the replay games for they CSS. Orange. They're, they're, they were just regular they're, orange. Yeah, it was 09 when they changed into black at halftime <laughs> under Kiffin, and then they wore gray one year against Carolina. Why is it the Gamecocks always do this for? Do what? Oh, why do opponents change them? No. Uh, why is Tennessee – this is like the third time they've worn – not their color uniforms against South Carolina. I don't I, understand. I live rent free inside it, of their heads. Am I the only one that's like kind of over all this crap? Like, I'm not speaking specifically to Tennessee. I mean, in general, like Florida wore black jerseys, or they're wearing them at some point in time. It's this marketing. Year. It's. I think it's. I think it's stupid. I mean, it's. You know, I mean, think of how many uniform changes Carolina's had in the last decade. Right, you you remember the all the all black from Lou Holtz? That was not a good look, in my opinion. I don't get too worked up over uniforms because I know it's subjective, but that was not a good look. And then the white helmet, the garnet helmet. I mean, it's the more combinations you come up with, the more you sell down the no, street. Probably one of the proud sponsors of this show. My printer is just maybe we need to get some, a printing company because my printer is just printing out white pieces of paper. For no reason at all. I haven't printed anything. Oh, it's all for his uniform uh, thoughts for Saturday. All white. (laughs) I think South Carolina should come out Saturday in uh, burnt orange and green uniforms just for marketing (laughs) purposes. Instead of putting the names on the jersey, just put like tag phrases like, he hate me. 
I got game. It's we so next. Let's mix it up. I, I just don't like. Uh, I don't like all this. When's the last time Alabama said, "You know, I think we need to have a marketing weekend. We need to sell different colored jerseys." I mean, even Penn State is doing whiteouts now against Iowa. Yeah, but like, that's part of their color scheme, though. I know, I know. Yeah, I'm just that saying. The, the but against Iowa doesn't. <laughs> whiteouts, blackouts. Pink Remember outs. when Georgia Georgia put on black jerseys one time? It's always black. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, it's never like right. neon green. They used up two weeks' worth of points two weeks ago. <laughs> Who did? <laughs> Iowa. Oh, oh yeah, a goose egg against Penn Gosh, State because they used them all up when they scored forty on Iowa State. Nepotism is not a good thing. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> it's just not. It's just, just not. I don't know what to make of Penn State. I mean, I, I want to, I want to go there when they're ready for the big time. But we'll see. They, I mean, they they do this every year, and then they play Michigan, Ohio State, and it's okay. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You get two sides of the spectrum when, when you ask people about Penn State. One side is, yeah, I don't think they're that good. The other side is, oh, they're contenders. They do have a quarterback now. I mean, they, they actually – the forward pass is a weapon for Penn State this year. So they got athletes everywhere, but now they do have a quality quarterback to go with it. So this is their best chance if they want to – crack the dominance of Michigan, Ohio State in that league. Final uniform question before we get out of here, five minutes late. Do you think that Tennessee fans will be wearing black or orange in the stands? They'll be wearing orange, I can promise. I've been there enough well, it to know. It's the purpose of the black. See, that's my point. Why are you letting this get under your skin? Why, why is I, this I, bothering you? My hope for Shane, maybe I'll send him a text and just remind him: you gotta, you, if if you happen to win the game and they're all dressed in black, you gotta go oh one Spurrier. Well, appreciate all those Gamecocks wearing all that black out there. Helped our oh, receivers see the ball better. Yeah, that was the <laughs> ultimate. <laughs> so good, so good. That was peak. Let Steve. me jot that down. I gotta text Shane. That hey, was man, peak I got Steve. a quote for you. Yeah, you know, twenty-two years ago, he might do it. Shane, Shane's got a little, he got a little he's swag a little to him. Yeah, he's got a little. When of that Shane's in there. feeling himself now, yeah. he's not afraid to fire a few <laughs> salvos. Just ask Kentucky, Mark Stoops. Don't, don't think, think that won't be brought up this year. By the way, that yeah. <laughs> that'll. I'll be, be honest uh, with you. I don't think there's any love lost between him and Josh Heupel for reasons that are under the rug, not on top of it. But I'll leave that there. That'll be hour number one tomorrow. You'll dive into one. Thanks to Mike Morgan for joining us for two straight hours and six minutes today here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. And uh, thanks to Owen Hale, yeah, McGranahan for joining us at the top of the program as well. JC will return tomorrow, and we will as well at 11 a.m. Make sure you download the Chief Sports app. Served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. And always live from the Sinorama Studios inside the Gamecocks of the show. We'll see you tomorrow.